Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman, who um, hours before we came on landed back in LA from Big Ten Media Day. Uh, we will be meeting up at Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. Uh, but curious, Bruce, from afar, following this from afar, Big Ten Media Day, especially the first day on Tuesday, really felt like the Kevin Warren victory tour. A guy who, for the first two years of his time as commissioner, was mostly known for kind of botching the messaging around whether they were going to play or not in 2020. The alliance, you know, nothing particularly flattering, goes out against USC and UCLA, and woo boy, um, there was some flexing going on there in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think there was. And I think a lot of the people around the league were feeling like it was a little bit of a victory lap. This was the first time uh, since that news had really come out that everybody was together. And so I think, you know, obviously the impending TV deal with the Big Ten is is happening pretty soon. And so we expect that to be a big money thing. Now, you know, whether schools will be getting... 60 or 70 million dollars for the tv deal um and i think it's like i mean this isn't where i wanted to go right here but i do think you and i've had these conversations a little bit um offline and maybe on the podcast the last time but just about i think there is a lot of confusion when it comes to when people talk about projections for what the tv deals may be or the rights deals but also I think people get confused where they'll see a number that's the total revenue as opposed to just what 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 they're getting for their for their for their broadcast partner. Yeah, realignment it just in general is very confusing. It's I mean, I've spent the week immersed in in conversations on Twitter and in radio interviews about exactly what you're talking about, TV value, uh, subscriber fees, um, affiliate fees. And it's like the season's about to start. Uh, but to your point, um, especially when it comes to, you know, the survival of the Pac-12, there's a lot of numbers being thrown around. And just just quick cliff notes here. When you see that, for instance, um, the Big 12 this past year distributed $42.6 million each to its members, which is very impressive. Um and that doesn't even include, by the way, Longhorn Network or Oklahoma's deal. Um, but that's not all TV money. There's NCAA tournament money in there. There's the CFP, your bowl contracts, sponsorships. So when you hear somebody say, oh, the Big Ten's going to make, the Big Ten teams are going to make $100 million from this new TV deal. Well, no, 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 no. They might make $100 million, which would be a lot uh, from their conference. But the TV deal is a part of it. And, and without knowing the details, I can't say whether it's 
50% of it, 40, 60, somewhere in that range. But, you know, and especially when you get conference networks involved in it too, which are a different bucket, um, it's complicated. But back to Kevin Warren. So first of all, he did nothing to, if you were looking for him to get up there and say, we got USC and UCLA, we got to 16, we're done. Um, that is not the message he conveyed. It was that, sure, we might expand again at some point, but it'll have to be the right team, but we'll expand it. We might expand again. Um, a couple that jumped out at me from a story Pat Forty did with him. I think it's changed the narrative on the Big, Big Ten Conference. We shrunk the United States in one announcement. Um, another one further down in that story. I don't think you can close, I don't think you can, parentheses, close the door on future expansion. From a strategy standpoint, this is not the old college athletics. For the individuals and the conferences and schools that are not thinking that way, they're going to be Sears. That's that you know Sears, the company that went bankrupt. That's straight blunt. That's where the deal is going. We have about three or four more years of perpetual disruption. During that period, either you're going to embrace change and build a business and get stronger, or not. When they talk about hiring somebody from outside of college athletics, this is what that person sounds like. Yeah, I think you have a lot of other factors floating around it. Like, I um, mean, at one point you had uh, most, you know, the players who were speaking at Media Day and some of the head coaches, and one of the podiums was set up for Barry Alvarez, obviously the former Wisconsin coach and AD. Um, and he's a special advisor or a senior advisor, I think that's his title for football. Um, and somebody Kevin Warren leans on, and he's very prominent around the Big Ten. And he got asked about Notre Dame, which, by the way, he used to work at Notre Dame as an assistant. And, you know, like he said, that's because that's a, that's kind of the white whale left in the realignment or expansion piece of this as it relates to these conferences. And he was like, look, you got asked. You know, that's a better question for Jack Swarbrick. But he was like his read on it was like, I don't think there are any big hurry to make a move. But he was like, certainly, you know, this league would welcome would welcome, I think he said, like, welcome the interest of Notre Dame. It wasn't just like, like, but I, I think that's the one thing that everyone's like, okay, that would be the no-brainer for all sorts of reasons. The appeal they have, the branding they have, the ge geography, where they are, and certainly um, the academic reputation there. But I think some of the conversations I've had from people inside the, the Big Ten as well as around the league is that why some of this stuff is so murky, murky and confusing um, is because you you have a lot of people who I think and start you know includes the conference presidents who may not think the same way as most fans do. I think they don't think the same way. Um, but from what I've heard from some of the conversations is they may have interest in certain universities that may not be a bottom line fit financially necessarily to add something. But maybe there's a prestige or there's relationships. And I think what you have is a lot of people who are in the process who I think are who are very comfortable, you know, engaging the dialogue. Doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to go anywhere. But I think because of that, and I think you have some people, you know, high up at the Big Ten who are that way. I think it almost creates a scenario where almost anything is on the table technically. So you may see a report from this person or that person. Um and I think there could be some merit to it. I, you know, it just, you know, at this point, who ends up being the, the the dance partners who actually, you know, go somewhere with it? I think that's a big, that's a different story. But I feel like I have a better sense of it. 
after just being around this a little bit more this week. And I think that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Cause I think a lot of people in the process are talking and considering things and, and, and listening to a lot of stuff. Well, as always with realignment, it's hard to say for sure what's accurate and what's not. But at the same time, he was kind of leaving things open-ended. There were at least two different reports citing, mentioning schools that the Big Ten was looking at. Not surprising, Washington, Oregon, two of them. Stanford and Cal also mentioned. And um, and I believe Florida State and Miami at one point. Florida State and Miami are locked away for like 20 years. So I wouldn't put much, wouldn't be holding your breath for that one. Um and, and, these, and this whole thing couldn't come at a worse time for the Pac-12, which is right smack dab in the middle of trying to negotiate a new contract with ESPN. Um, that will probably determine whether or not the league can survive or not. And I don't know how, if you're George Kyokov, I don't know how you get those schools, in particular Oregon, Washington, to sign any sort of grant of rights, any sort of, hey, we're committed to the conference for the foreseeable future, when... Many people, including the commissioner of the Big Ten himself, are are at least giving out the perception that that invite might be coming soon. I don't know if soon means in a couple weeks, in a couple months, in a couple years. But nobody, you know, when when the SEC got Texas and Oklahoma last year, I think the general perception was, okay, that's 16. That's a nice round. You're done. Like, what else do you need? Whereas Kevin Warren is leaving it open to interpretation of what exactly, where is this headed? 18, 20, 24, are you going to take over? Uh, are you going to expand into other countries? Um, it's It's got the, it, the word I would just use is it's causing a lot of instability across the industry. I think some of it, again, is the, you have some presidents who, look, use the example of Stanford and Cal. I think there are some presidents who feel some alignment with, with them, maybe in how they think um, from a university standpoint, maybe from a cultural standpoint, that the part that I think the Big Ten leadership has got to really get its head around is if the TV, if the broadcast partners aren't going to pay anymore for those schools, you know, it's like, you know, it, the, here's what your math is. If you have 16, your chunk is going to be smaller if you have 18 or if you have 20, if they, if they do not, you know, carry their weight. And I doesn't sound like those other schools would when it comes to the bottom line of it. So again, I think there's, I think there's been discussions and interests um, and these things have been kicked around because it's, that's what I've, I've heard that too. Um, I just don't know to what degree of it's due. Um, and then, you know, you start hearing stuff about, you know, what would the strategy be if it's like, if you're the, if you're the big 12 to say, Hey, maybe we think we take, you know, are the Arizona schools the most vulnerable to add? You know, geographically, they're probably the easiest to fit. They don't bring a ton of, of uh, you know, TV juice with them, certainly relative to, to Washington and Oregon. But if you pull two schools away from the Pac-12, does it weaken it that much that all of a sudden then it kind of for, it may force the hand of other schools? And I don't know if that's a, you know, if that's a strategic play as much as if that's just speculation. Because it's definitely something I heard, you know, Monday night when I got to got to Indianapolis, and I, I don't again, I, I I don't know how much of this again is 
is people having having just discussions or is there really a plan further behind it has a lot of momentum I hope people are following this because I'm more confused now than I was when we started the podcast. I, my sense is, and I, again, you're just reading tea leaves here. Um, I'm sure they vetted Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford when they made that decision to bring in USC and UCLA and for whatever reason decided not to. Doesn't mean that door shut forever, but there was another comment Kevin Warren, there were several comments Kevin Warren made that made news. He told Article Auerbach that he's changed his mind about needing um, automatic bids for power five team champions in the playoff. Uh, Crazy how that, that stance changed once they got uh, two more schools. Um, But he also said that the TV, uh, the TV deal, actually I'm going to back up. This was not Kevin Warren. This was uh, Mark Silverman, the president of Fox sports talking to Scott Docterman, another one of our writers that this, this TV deal that we've all been waiting for that reportedly is going to be for a billion dollars a year may or may not include ESPN as a partner, may include CBS, um, is going to be wrapped up in the next few weeks. So if you were going to add even more schools, wouldn't you then want to do it in the next few weeks? I feel like once that thing gets signed, then to your point, like there's not, um, the TV, as I was explained to me by somebody in the TV world, these, these networks, they have a lot of money, but they... They, they don't, uh, when they go and they pay a billion dollars or 1.2 billion, whatever it is, um, they don't wait to They know to what they're ma- paying for. They know, they what, know they're what they're paying for. for, and they're not going to just rip that thing back up and be like, oh, you decided to add Oregon and Washington? Great. Um, let's write a new contract. If it's a Notre Dame, they probably would do that. But not, not, for, not for not just anybody. In fact, the SEC, to this day, I have not heard anything indicating that they got a new contract when they got OU in Texas. Everybody assumes that. But they had just finished that deal with ESPN maybe six months before that announcement. Um, so to the Big Ten, back to the Big Ten for a second. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you know you do that right away because there's not this endless well of money that they just keep tapping back into. At some point, they're tapped out. Now, if you wait two or three years, once things have died down, once they've started being able to you know make back some of the money from the actual broadcasts, then there might be more more money to be had from the TV partners if you bring in more schools. But you know, this is explained to me by this TV consultant. You're better off waiting a few years and kind of spacing these things out um, if you're trying to maximize the money you get from subscribe cable, you know, cable providers, um, t- local TV affiliates, all that sort of thing. So my so that's what that's that's what I'm sticking with. Either they turn around in the next two to three weeks and invite Oregon and Washington, or that's going to quiet down for a couple of years. Now, there's the whole Big 12 aspect of it, but in terms of the Big 10, that's kind of what I think we're looking at. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. They had actual football coaches and football players at Big Ten Media Day, too. And I know you spent a lot of time with them. When I've gone to Big Ten Media Day, it always feels like a lar- you know, a disproportionate percentage of the attention is paid to Ohio State and Michigan. Was that the case? And if so, what insights did you glean about those two teams? Yeah, I think that was the case. Um, Monday, era, Monday, the first day was a Michigan. And so, you know, Michigan was the big big brand there right obviously they just won the won the big 10 title last year went to the playoff you know iowa you had kirk ferentz and there's you know they have really good players there but it's just not the same um you know if you were to say who are the biggest schools and look we just spent 15 minutes whatever talking about tv brands but it would be you know in the conference you would say you'd probably be these four schools Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. And if you want to throw a fifth in there, you know, like Nebraska and Wisconsin obviously have, you know, TV brand power. Almost all of those other than Michigan went, actually that's not true, Nebraska went on the same day as Michigan. But, you know, it was it was a lot of Jim Harbaugh. I thought Jim Harbaugh was in an especially chatty mood. Um, sometimes I feel like you don't know which Jim Harbaugh you're going to get. And I remember I talked to him, I don't know, for 10, 15 minutes, just about the, the, like a lot of guys that he's really excited about. And you know, I talked to a couple of their players as well. And two things kind of emerged. I feel like from talking to Harbaugh, he is really excited about the incoming freshman class that they signed. Um, receivers, defensive line. There was... At one point, he referred to uh, he referred to two of their linemen as their their like gift from the gods. But especially one of them was Kenneth Grant, who's this three hundred forty nine pound, who's a three star defensive lineman from the state of Indiana. And he said he's run a forty in the four nines since he's been there. And just they have a lot of depth at receiver now, which as you remember last year was 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 a question mark, right? And you still got Donovan Edwards, you still got Blake Corum, who are really dynamic running backs and a good offensive line. I mean, I came away from talking not just to Harbaugh, to their players, as especially their players had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about like, I mean, they didn't use this word, at least the ones I talked to, but like the, the perception is this was a fluke, almost like that they beat Ohio State and won the conference. And, and, um, you know, so I came away with a little bit of a stronger feel for them from from those conversations, right? Um, I don't think people think also, it was a fluke. They had guys like Aiden Hutchinson who were really, really good. But I'm sure they've noticed that the, the, the vibe of, okay, congrats, Michigan, great season, Big Ten championship. Um, but this is still Ohio State's conference. We're right back to picking Ohio State. I know I'm on the Ohio State bandwagon. Is that more what you're referring to? 
It is, and I think they heard a lot of it. You know, what's going to be, you know, what's going to be the mood like when you guys go into the shoe this time, and you know that kind of thing. And they're like, we expect to win. You know, it's just, you know, just along the lines of that. Um, you know, I spent a bunch of time around the Maryland players and, and Loxley, but especially like Rakim Jarrett, and I came away thinking. Especially how much, you know, I know Loxley is, and even when I did one of their games last year, he is a huge believer in uh, Talia Tungavailoa and how talented he is. And look, he finished the year really strong last year in the in the bowl game. Um, you know, I came away thinking, okay, maybe this is a team that we should, I'm not saying they're going to win the league or anything like that, but I think their win total was like 5.5. And I was like, okay, maybe I, after after talking to, some of the some of the guys on that team, I came away with a little bit of a more optimistic feel, um, especially from some of the things that would, like they have a really good corner who was banged up last year. Jacorian Bennett was, you know, pretty special too, and we know the receivers they have. But just from talking to those guys, I kind of was like, okay, I could see this, especially with Loxley's talking about the most improved. They have all their offensive linemen back. That's the most improved room on the team. And I was like, you know, they do have a lot of a lot of reasons for optimism. And so there was that. And then certainly um, our colleague Mitch Sherman did, I think, a pretty good summation of Nebraska and Scott Frost at this point. I think a lot of people, you know, even inside the program thought Scott Scott Frost was going to lose his job last year, took a pay cut. He's still there. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The schedule is easier. I don't know if the talent is much better than what they had, obviously. But um, so I think there's some intrigue about about Nebraska. Can they? You know, there's so many close losses. I don't know. It was like eight or nine one score losses last year. Can they get that fixed? And then, as we're taping today, which is Wednesday, was wasn't just Ohio State. It was Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. You know, there was just a there was a lot more star power, you know, especially Ohio State brings C.J. Stroud, who's, you know, I think will make a big run at the Heisman, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who I think will make a big run at the Bolitnikov. I mean, that, there was a lot more star power there today because, in large part because of what Ohio State brought. With Maryland, um, they, so there was a mailbag question that I, for my written mailbag that I almost went with and then decided to scrap. It was, okay, the Big Ten had no coaches fired last year. Other than Scott Frost, is there anybody that's on the hot seat this year? And I, and my first thought was, well, you know, Mike Loxley is going into his fourth year. He hasn't done much yet. Maybe him. Well, no, no, he, 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 he got, got a, a huge contract. Yeah. He just got yeah, a huge contract. Actually, and you know, they did go seven and six last year. This is the best year they've had in like seven years. So I would take issue with they haven't, hasn't done much. Like last well, year, they, I, I mean, their big, big year, year last year, they went three and six in the Big Ten. So I don't want to, you know, hand them the uh, uh, Coach of the Year award just yet. But, you know, I think what Maryland has going for it is is all that great skill, skill talent on offense. And, you know, with the offense he runs, they should put up a lot of points. And the thing that's working against Maryland on defense is that couple of their best players on defense transferred and they weren't that good on defense to begin with. So, and then they've got, you know, and they're in the other side of the conference. It, it's so hard for, you know, what's that formula for a Maryland or a Rutgers or frankly, an Indiana in a full season, um, not the 2020 to, to have that breakout season. They need to beat 
some are, you know, they need to, I'm looking at Maryland's schedule, they open at Michigan, and they play Michigan State. Then they play another potential sleeper team, Purdue. Then they're at Indiana and Northwestern. That's kind of your soft spot. And then the last, and then the next three are at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Ohio State. That's tough. That is tough. Um, you know, on the defensive side, so Brian Williams got promoted to be the full-time defensive coordinator. He actually, Loxley said, took it over um, for the Rutgers game. So, And there was a noticeable difference, Rutgers, and then, as you said, they handled Virginia Tech. I think in those two games, I think they averaged maybe 13 points a game on defense. It was like a huge difference. Now, obviously, the schedule, they were coming off playing three top 25 teams before that, and they got banged around. And I I mean, again, the game we had, they played at Ohio State, which I think even if they were at full strength, they they probably lose. But, you know, but they lost Dante Demas, who's one of the best players in college football, the week before at Iowa. And I think they were down their top three corners. Again, Ohio State's the last team you want to face if you're down three corners. So, you know, maybe the the new DC has a little bit of momentum for what he did at the end of last year, as you said. They uh, they handled Virginia Tech, you know, pretty well in that bowl game. I think it was fifty four to ten. So it was such a blowout that I honestly don't remember it. <laughs> I see it sitting here on my Athlon, and I'm sure I watched some of it at the time, and I have no recollection of it. Um, Speaking of defenses, uh, Ryan Day uh, was asked about, you know, I mean, you and I both have a lot of respect for Jim Knowles, who's coming in there from Oklahoma State. There's high expectations. He's going to turn them around after a, um, frankly, two of their last three years, they weren't that great on defense. One, they were fantastic, the one in between. Uh, he said he expects a top 10 defense nationally. That's the expectation, top 10 defense. Is that realistic? Uh, they, they have good, they have recruited well on the D line. Now I feel like that's caught up with them. The issue to me last year was they, they looked really out of sync and they have really, you know, they, they were really good in the secondary for a long time. And then that obviously tailed off and at linebacker, they got exposed a bunch. Um, I don't know, you know, if they have a top 25 defense, I think their offense will be so explosive. Top twenty-five defense should be, I think, could be enough to to lead them to a national title. Top ten defense, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they have. You know, I I know they had a great freshman cornerback last year. They had some pieces there, but they weren't close. I think, um, you know, over the last two years and last year, obviously, they had made a made a change where uh, Matt Barnes took it over from. Uh, you know, it just it was just a it was it was a mess. They got they really got exposed by Oregon in that game, and I feel like they were just kind of limping to the finish line, right? And so, um, yeah, in the first half you know, of the Rose Bowl, even uh, I think you t- the one one there was a Covey kick return in there, um, but they were still. I mean, they gave up thirty five points in the first half of the Rose Bowl. Now they've got two defensive ends who were freshmen last year, who are five stars, who are expected to start this year. Um, these are the kind of guys that Ohio State brings in and you expect them to just reload. Uh, I don't know that talent's going to be lacking. Um, I think last year they lacked, I mean, <laughs> this is a high bar, but they lacked a Chase Young. They lacked a Joey Bosa. Um, we'll see if somebody like that's going to emerge this year. 
Um, the other thing I would just say about Ohio State is, I mean, I think we all expect the offense to be ridiculous, and I think it will be for the most part. But um, Bill Landis has written about this at times for us. Their offensive line hasn't been quite as dominant as I think sometimes their quarterbacks and, and running backs and receivers make them look. And, you know, I think of the Michigan game where C.J. Stroud was constantly under pressure and really mm-hmm. struggled with that. I think that is another area that you're going to need to see improvement if they're going to win the national title or even play I, I for the mean, national title. I think I think Justin Fry was a really good hire. Um, I think he did a did a good job when they were undermanned at UCLA out here. I think he's very sharp, having been around him a bunch. And he's worked with Ryan Day before. I feel like that's a good fit. One of the challenges I feel like, Ohio State looked like they had it almost looked like they had a center and four tackles trying to play guard like it just looked like some mismatch parts at times as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with BetMGM this season we'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, so we're recording this on Wednesday night. I believe you'll be listening to it on Thursday. Uh, Thursday midday or so, I take the very, very quick flight to L.A., it's Pac-12 Media Day, the last one of the of every of any conference, Group of Five or Power Five. Um, they always do it somewhere glitzy in LA, and I just am so fascinated <laughs> to see what the vibe is going to be. Because again, it is in LA. The two schools that are ditching them are going to be their coach and and players will be there. Obviously, they are not the ones that decided to leave the Pac-12. I hope everybody leaves them alone. Um, we are all with breath. Well, when you say everybody, I mean, do you think like Jonathan Smith is going to walk up and punch Lincoln in the eye? Like, what do you? No, mean? I mean, like, like you know how these things are. Um, let's not use Caleb Williams as the example because Caleb, a lot of people are going to want to talk to Caleb Williams regardless about a lot of things. But you know, going up to UCLA player X and being <laughs> like, "Hey, what do you, th- you know, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be awkward going into stadiums?" And there's going to be a lot of that, don't you think? I mean, you know, it's interesting, though, like uh, one of the things that that I came up a little bit um, with Big Ten Media Days was uh, going into this. There was some talk about um, players potentially getting a cut of revenue right. from in the Big Ten, because it's another thing Kevin Warren has has like been open to dialogue with with Sean Clifford. And, and there was that got a little bit of attention going in. Well, when you talk to players about it, and I did, it's like, it's not happening now. Yeah. So it doesn't, 
it won't affect them at this point. And so what I'm saying to that is like the, it's not going to affect the guys who are, you know, it's a couple of years away from now. I mean, they can talk about it, but I think it's a little different. You know, the players, uh, John Gaines, I feel like has been there since like new Heisel, you know, he's with the UCLA offensive lineman who's going to be there. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be going to play. No, these are not the guys that are going to be playing in those stadiums. Yeah. I mean, maybe Caleb Williams will if he's actually there for a fourth season. Um, I'm guessing if if you're if you're a USC fan, you'll love Caleb. I think it's it's probably a bad sign if Caleb's still there. Yeah, it'll be like a little bit like how Spencer Rattler's still. Why is he still? um, No, but I think that the George Klyovkov George Klyovkov State of the Union address. Right, each of these commissioners has taken their turn and given their little State of the Union address, and. Two of them, I would say, were kind of a, a shot to the bow across the Pac-12. Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner, said, we're open for business. We're talking to schools left and right. Everybody knows who he's referring to. Four to six schools in the Pac-12. Um, and then, I mean, here, here's another, going back to, not to keep, keep harping on this, but just not used to seeing Kevin Warren be so so brash. Um Kevin Warren, by the way, I, I, if you look back, and I don't know if there's a transcript up somewhere of the question that was asked him. I don't remember who it was, if it was Dennis Dodd or whoever it was, I think said, I, I, I should look at what the word is. I was like, I was like sitting next to somebody. I was like, ooh, that's kind of a loaded word. It was almost like, after you garroted the, after you garroted the pack. Well, this might have been the answer like to that word. question. Because it was, it, it was, was a question about, you know, how do you, about the, the you know, I mean, the big. Remember when they were in an alliance? I mean, that's what's so rich about this. They are in an alliance. They've technically been in an alliance since like the 1940s, and and, then, and now apparently he and Kliakov haven't talked since all this happened. Um, mm-hmm. Their offices are setting up a phone call. If a conference is allegedly on the brink, there are many more issues than members leaving. There are deeper issues. I'm not promoting conferences facing a crisis or going out of business. Not at all. But I come out of the NFL for 21 years. In the NFL, either you succeed or you fail, and that's not only on the field. I'm talking about in business, operationally. Either you have your fan base or you don't. So here comes Klyovkov. You know, uh, it just seems like everybody, all his counterparts are kind of like staring at the body. And and I, okay. So what's he, he going to say? Like, what is, what is the tone of his I message? Just wanna, I just want to... I want to give you the, uh, so this is our friend Dennis Dodd, okay. and the, there was a word, it was almost like, it was like a little bit of a nails on a chalkboard part or something. What sort of st- studentship, I don't know if that's stewardship. the word I heard him say. St- students, yeah, it's, it's listed on the web- website as studentship. What sort of, sort of stewardship is there for you in the sense that when we talk about academics, there's an academic part of this, but when you add USC and UCLA ripping apart a conference that's been around for a century, huge academics ties to those schools. Athletes will be flying over four time zones to the East Coast, play games and matches. I guess what sort of responsibility and stewardship is there for you and not only others in this expansion pursuit? The ripping apart a conference part was the one that kind of caught my ear. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that is what happened, but you don't normally hear that, you know, presented quite that directly. On Twitter, I, the couple last night, I showed the contrast between Kevin Warren's kind of like take no prisoners quotes 
and Jim, Jim Phillips, when he, you know, the ACC commissioner, when he went up there a week ago, which was, now look, he's not in the position of power that Kevin Warren is obviously in all this, who, who was saying kind of the exact opposite, right? Like not, we're going to, you know, either you're a business, you either, you, either you, you, you're a good business or you fail or that kind of thing. It was, Hey, the college sports is not the NFL. Um, I feel like Jim Phillips is take takes the high road a lot. It's, in it's these not the high road. It's the it's the high and mighty road. It's the you know we've got a uh, it's all the you know really noble talk about you know we he kept using the phrase gated communities. College football shouldn't be college sports shouldn't be you know just two or three gated communities. We should basically like we should be a big family, a big honky dory family, academics da 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 da, and it's very admirable. Like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But you just you just couldn't get a bigger contrast, um, and that and one of those conferences is is getting a billion dollar TV deal, and the other one is trying to figure out how the heck to get out of the one that that John Swafford signed five years ago. It's uh, I don't I don't love it. I don't love what's going on in college sports right now. It's really ruthless. Um, it's always been ruthless, but well, this is uh, it's just just you don't love it. Why? I don't like when when fans of schools that are you know power five schools, good program. They're not Alabama, but they're good programs, and they're being told you have no value. Um, you're going to get left behind. You know these are the only two conferences that matter now. All the rest of y'all can just take what's left. Um, that's not a good feeling if you're a fan of the. What you know, thirty something schools that aren't in those two conferences. Yeah, yeah. I guess that is. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that is just a very big reality, though, in how our society works, right? It is, and in some ways, um, I mean, it's it's just capitalism. It's capitalism at work, and it's been. Even though this feels like a particularly, you know. Uh, harsh summer, an inflection point, if you will. It's been working toward this for 30 years. Let's not act like college football was yeah. its kind of old traditional self until 2021. I mean, the 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 the, the, I mean, the ACC is, like put Nick the Big Saban East out of business. Talking. The you know the right. Southwest Conference went out of business. Like this, this if the Pac-12 goes away tomorrow, it'll be really sad, and yet it won't even really be. Nobody will be able to say it was unprecedented. So this is how it's been building for 30 years. Um, maybe maybe I should commend Kevin Warren. He's not getting up there pretending this is about anything else but just cold hard business. No, and I I do think that that um, you know like it's one of these things where you hear these schools. You know, I use the example of talking to the AD at UCLA, Martin Jarman. We talking about how they were. This is the night after after basically the news gets out that UCLA and USC are leaving. He's talking about being a hundred million dollars in debt just from, since the time he's got there. Now part of it, a big part of it was in the wake of the pandemic, but still, I mean, I think the part, and we've talked about this, but it's you, if you're in those positions, you can't, can you afford not to be aggressive? Right. And that's the challenge because you know, they're in these arms races of how much money they're spending. And even the schools that are not, you know, in the haves, and let's just say the haves for our, this purposes really is the Big Ten and the SEC. But there's 
there's still people making a fortune around the athletic departments with, you know, certain coaches oh, yeah. and different things. And so, um, well, why do you think they're, I mean, one of the reasons they feel like they got to stockpile this money is because of what you referenced to earlier at some point, revenue sharing or athletes as employees. I mean, that's inevitable now it's going to happen at some point. I don't know how many years away that is, but it's going to happen. And these conferences that are getting a hundred million dollars per school, um, might need that money because you're not going to be able to keep it all for yourself anymore. Um, but, but that's all, that's a whole other conversation. And, and my zoom thing here is saying we have less than a minute left and it's really late. So I think we're going to call it a night for this podcast. I'll see you there in less than 24 hours. We have a lot of good mailbag questions and don't think I've forgotten them. Send your emails to the audible pod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.